Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Danny Paradis, Western correspondent for APTN News. Hello. Hello, Jesse Brown. Today on the show, Little Reich on the Prairie. Is Daniel Smith a hard-right populist demagogue, or does the New York Times have Alberta all wrong? Also... Senior citizen sex shows and art by Brian Adams. You might not like either of them, but you've been paying for them, taxpayer. Well, no more. Welcome to Shortcuts, Danny, where we talk shit about the news. This episode is brought to everybody by Aaron Patton, Scott Bodai, Jeff Brown, Nicholas Carella, Sarah Worthman, Mike Britton, Rob Wyatt, and Trevor. Hey, I'm Trevor. I'm a coffee marketer in Toronto, and I support the Canaland Network because they're informative, entertaining, and they're really great advocates for news literacy. Their in-depth journalism helps me unpack stories that are often left underserved, but the weekly shit-talking also brings me great joy, even when I'm not picking up what Jesse's put down. My news diet is definitely healthier and more homegrown thanks to Canaland, so keep up the great work. Danielle Smith and her United Conservative Party celebrated her election night victory. This win, hard fought. Smith and the United Conservatives are now up against the largest opposition in Alberta legislative history. Danielle Smith campaigned in part on promises to stand up to Ottawa. Welcome to another miracle on the prairies. (laughs) Oh, it's a miracle. A miracle on the prairies, Danny. Um... (laughs) 
Anything going on lately? What's happening? Yeah, there's been one or two things going on recently. So um, <laughs> the sound you just heard was Ted Smith winning the provincial election in, in quite a landslide. Uh, as expected, she completely won in the rural provinces, but she was still able to maintain, I think it, she lost about 10 seats overall, uh, most of those in Calgary, but was completely shut out of Edmonton. So that's what's going on. The electoral map looks quite divided. I feel like this is one of those things that like the way it looks to those of us outside of the province and how we understand this, like you're, you're unsurprised by this victory. I feel like in our own coverage of the campaign and everybody else's coverage, all I've been reading are a series of like egregious blunders where I'm like, oh, she's toast. And, you know, when the New York Times was trying to convey this to their audience of, I guess, like, who reads Ian Austin's Canada coverage in the Times? Like, expat Canadians, I guess, or Americans who care about Canada? His shorthand was that, here's what's happened, Alberta has elected a far-right candidate. And the National Post has responded, Danielle Smith isn't an American-style fringe conservative. Here's the quote. To hear the New York Times describe Monday night's Alberta election, it was a victory of American-style far-right politics. Tristan Hopper at the National Post, that's not what this is at all. And, and that got me thinking, well, I don't know. What, what, what is she? Like, is that, is that a fair characterization? Let me just go through what I think Ian Austin is referring to and my conception of this premier. Here are the things that Danielle Smith has done. She said that vaccine supporters are like Germans who followed Hitler. <laughs> She called the unvaccinated the most discriminated group that oh. she's ever witnessed in her life. Yeah. <laughs> she said that hydroxychloroquine cures 100% of coronavirus patients. Mm -hmm. She explicitly endorsed the Coots border blockade. There'll be a chance for, for you to speak. There's, it's a long list, I know. She violated conflict of interest laws by intervening in the justice system to advocate for an extremist, queer-bashing, anti-vax preacher who was charged with criminal mischief for his role. Oh, allegedly. Allegedly. Wasn't she found to have violated the law? The ethics commissioner has ruled on that one, yeah? Yes, the ethics commissioner has ruled on that one. But the emails have, have still not surfaced. Okay. <laughs> Only video. All right, there's more. She, she called unmarked graves at residential schools fake news. She, you know, for some reason, opposed Canadian support for Ukraine and their defense against Russia. She said we, we should just stay neutral. She once claimed that cigarettes aren't necessarily bad for you, that it's far from conclusive, and that moderate cigarette consumption can reduce traditional risks of disease. So I don't know if that makes you a far-right fringe candidate, but it, it certainly makes you a kook. That's the term, right? She is like a verified kook. She is. Yeah, well, when you when you read it all out like that, it sounds bad, Jesse. <laughs> That's your premiere. So I'm here reading these things and your coverage, because I a nod on that list was your your revelation. Remind us, what did you discover about Danielle Smith. Yeah, so Danielle Smith has for a, about a period of at least 10 years, maybe longer, in the past referred to herself as somebody with Indigenous heritage or Cherokee heritage, which there was no evidence of that. And when asked, she did not provide any. So she does not appear to be Cherokee. I don't think you actually went into this, but because it was a little bit older, but in 20. 12 and 13, we had what we call the Lake of Fire in Alberta, which is 
similar views to the pastor who she was defending. There was a member of her party who was writing blog posts saying that homosexuals would burn in a lake of fire, and she refused to disavow the comments. This time, however, there is a newly elected MLA, Johnson, who made unfortunate comments referring trans children to feces. A little bit of poop mixed in the cookies, I believe was the term. That's so horrible. That's It's so horrible to talk about children. But she, she did she did kick that guy out of her caucus. She did. But then he won anyhow? A, a woman. It, this is a woman. So she kicked her out of the caucus. She did win in the Hanoka Lacombe district. So now we will just see whether or not she returns to caucus after a period in the wilderness or, or what goes on. Uh, but that does show, I guess, a tiny bit of growth from the Lake of Fire incidents. So, you know, watching this from my perch in downtown Elitist Toronto and like this list of egregious things that should, you know, by my estimation, many others just disqualify you from any hope of holding public office, let alone the highest office in, in Alberta. And I think that that's just a measure of how out of touch I am. That's me thinking that woke shit matters, right? Am I wrong to conclude from this that stereotypes of Albertans are largely, not not everybody, I mean, Edmonton and a lot of Calgary notwithstanding, but, you know, like if, if the term, oh yeah, redneck hicks, is that wrong? Is that, is that a wrong conclusion to draw from this? Are you asking me if I agree with your assertion that we are all hicks? No, I said most. I said most. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Like, what else can we say? What else could, what else should the New York Times say? What, like, what, what is the, what is the other conclusion to draw from this? So the interesting thing about an, an election like this is the day after, it's almost like somebody has died. People have been sending me condolence emails, apologizing. There's been jokes about moving, which I have to say gets a little annoying after a while. That said, what conclusion? can you draw? There's a significant moderate force, and I think you see that in the Calgary support. We're not talking about, like, knuckle-draggers. We're talking about oil executives. And, and there's people there who don't really care what Danielle Smith is saying. I, I don't know why humans are like this, Jesse, but one thing that I've noticed that we do, and, and you saw this with Donald Trump, when people say horrible things, it really only works the first time. After a while, people get used to the horrible things that that people say. So with Danielle Smith, all of that is now effectively moot. It doesn't really matter that she made zany comments about cigarettes or blame people for having cancer or said the vaccinated were the most discriminated against in our life. Time. I think we also have to look at the campaign that the NDP ran, which which we haven't talked about yet. Okay. I've heard people say is somewhat one note. They did run specifically on Danielle Smith, and then that makes sense. I mean, that list that you read seems like it should be pretty damning. But if you hear this in dribs and drabs, maybe it doesn't kind of form that whole picture as when it's it's read out loud. So I don't think that we are all hicks. Most, most. Please don't misrepresent me. <laughs> I won't stand for it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When I went to the evacuation center in Edmonton and was speaking with people who had been evacuated, I, I did hear conspiracy theories. The, there's, there's certain rural voices which do tend towards Justin Trudeau as Fidel Castro's son. I literally heard that. Like, I'm not going to say that that doesn't exist, but... I'd say that Smith is a pattern of, of like, right-wing, I don't know if we want to call it, 
reaction or recidivism, but like a pull to the right that we've actually seen globally. So I think that it's easier to understand it in that context. There was some misinformation going around during the wildfire season. The more paranoid amongst us felt like conservative voters were deliberately being displaced so that the NDP would win. There is a real problem when it comes to, I would say, online influence and, and how that's affecting Alberta. But if I can completely diverge for a second. Sure. Were you watching election night coverage and were you on Twitter? I was on Twitter. I wasn't watching the TV coverage. Well, I mean, I think most of us have not been on Twitter as much recently because it's more of a hellhole than usual. But that night I saw Kian Beekstee, reporter, who was agitating because it was such a close election and some writings were still doing recounts that we saw him talking about accounting and, and the machines and there was a certain far-right base that was kind of pre-agitating because they were concerned about the results of the election. And where have we seen that before? Yeah, it's like a little, a little Albertan Dominion voting kind of redux sort of thing. A little bit, yeah. And then, poof, it just goes away. Right, right. Like it, it, when it looked like she might lose, then, there, then there's a problem with the system. And then, no, actually, the system's just fine. You know what? I've got this all wrong. And, and I, I cheerfully retract my horrific statements earlier. I think that this is so super simple for so many voters in Alberta. And it's so unsurprising. You have the NDP who are far less favorable to the fossil fuel sector that fuels the Albertan economy than the UCP. And it's like pretty much impossible to win unless the pro-oil vote is split. And that's the only time when the NDP won was when Rachel Notley was running against two right-wing parties. And any contest between the left and the right in Alberta will go to the right because that's what fuels the economy. And we in the media, to bring this back to all of the information that I think has been so relevant and everything that press progress has been finding all these little nuggets of just kooky things she said and your work exposing the pretendian claims, all of that ultimately does not matter. I mean, it's all important stuff for people to know. But if we thought that that is what this election was about, we were wrong. Now, I really have to take issue with this as well. The NDP have been quite supportive of energy and oil and gas. Like you... You probably wouldn't, like, we haven't yet had a party in this province run that's not, because, of course, that is a key part of not only our economic engine, but the country's economic engine is our energy sector. So I, I would say, although the NDP is certainly more friendly to transition, they're super on board with things like carbon capture storage, which is largely run by oil and gas companies or, or being developed by oil and gas companies. And it really is a myth. But that's it. It is a myth that people fall for here that the NDP is not oil and gas friendly. They, they are, in fact, quite oil and gas friendly. No, don't get me wrong. I, I don't... Albertan voters, Albertans do not have an option. They do not have a green option. Like the NDP is super pro-oil in Alberta. I know that, but they're not as pro-oil. Like if we just assume that the voter is purely making the decision for what is going to be better for the fossil fuel sector, it will never be the NDP. It will always be the other conservative option. And, and th that's why they can't win. 
Yeah, I mean, that that is, uh, that's a chunk of it. I, I do wonder if perhaps, like, you, you see in some writings there was not a significant, but a, a number of green voters, which in a close election does show that perhaps some votes did peel off from the NDP. People didn't feel that that was a party. And when you're dealing with, like, getting down to 20 to 100 votes in some ridings, that actually does matter. So I, I do wonder, I think that the NDP needs to discover, not not to play politics, but they need to discover what kind of party they are. Are they kind of a moderate centrist party, which I think is what they ran on this time? Or are they similar to their counterparts in the federal? Are, are they more environmentally focused? Now, I would say that you saw like Rachel Notley running. You didn't see one thing from Jagmeet Singh about the provincial election, because that certainly would have sunk her ship. So... Mm-hmm. I guess I guess that kind of points to you being correct there. I'm sorry. This episode is brought to everyone by EcoJustice. They are Canada's largest environmental law charity. Here is what they do. Uh, they sue governments. They sue corporations when either breaks the law and harms the environment. They also work with policymakers to push for better laws in order to protect people and the planet. And they also keep tabs on government and industry when they are involved in greenwashing making claims to climate action that uh, need to be scrutinized. EcoJustice has fought for clients at every level of the courts over the last 30 years. They focus on the most urgent environmental issues in Canada. These include the loss of endangered species and habitats, the growing climate emergency, environmental racism, and colonial ideas of conservation. From fellow nonprofits to indigenous groups, they help people access legal expertise that they might not otherwise be able to afford. To learn how EcoJustice acts at the most critical moments to hold those in power to account, visit ecojustice.ca. That is ecojustice.ca to learn more. All right, Danny, it is a tragedy when important news goes ignored, and we don't let that happen. We duly note those stories. What do you have to duly note today? Yeah, I want to duly note an anniversary last week that I wrote on, which was actually the 150th year in operation of the RCMP, formerly the Northwest Mounted Police. And that kind of passed without the fanfare that I think we could have expected a decade ago. Yeah, sort of a muted a, a muted birthday, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a piece on APTN News talking about the 150 years of what I'll call unmitigated conflict with Indigenous people, interviewed Jean Taillé and Steve Hewitt, it went through, you know, a lot of the actions. Oddly enough, land has been an issue at the beginning, and it's an issue now. So when you see Wet'suwet'en, you see the conflict there, you see the uh, claims of RCMP neutrality and how that, that usually works out when it's against Indigenous people. I think that one thing that Canada doesn't do is think about our institutions very deeply. And with the RCMP, you know, with port with the Moncton shootings, we've seen a bunch of mass shootings. We've seen members dying. We've seen over and over there's these recommendations and reports. That's what really struck me in that piece is how many times we've gone through these like mass casualty events, how many recommendations come out, and then the failure to actually pick that up and, and run with it has been really egregious. So I think it's just a, a thing I'd like Canadians to think about is as we go into the next 150 years, what do we want to see policing look like? What do we want to see our institutions look like? We are famously cheap. <laughs> look at what we're doing to like the prime minister's house. It's just in ruins and we won't fix it. Our plane is like 
a janky old plane now. But like, let's not do the same thing to our actual institutions. And let's think about what they should look like, and actually take that time. And I, I just dearly wish that we did in Canada. You know what I mean? That's what I want to duly note. Yeah, you know what? I think that we are, like, moving on the downslope from a rare occurrence where we actually have all thought about policing and looked at the RCMP. But the RCMP's history has been kind of lurching from scandal to scandal. And our default is, like, you know, it's it's really hard to get people to care about this. We did a whole series on, on policing here. But getting people to care isn't the end of it. Like, if you don't do something, like maybe disband the RCMP, what was the point of raising that awareness? Check out Danny's piece, duly noted. Denny, I, I can sound like a crank in my criticism of the CBC, but there's something that I think is just like I'm on the same side as people who just love the CBC, and I, I love things about the CBC. All of that notwithstanding, I think we have more that we agree with than disagree with when it comes to the effort to get rid of advertising on the CBC. I think that's where people who love and use the CBC are aligned with publishers who resent the fact that the CBC is aggressively competing with other news companies that are struggling to stay around. No more ads. We've already paid for this stuff. And what I want to duly note today is that Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez has said that he is going to review the mandate for the CBC, which is so long overdue for so many reasons, and, and Radio Canada. And one of the things he's going to be reviewing is ways the government can bolster funding to the public broadcaster so it is less reliant on advertising dollars. And I'm going to leave aside the whole, like, do they really have to give them more money to get rid of the ads? Fine, give them more money. But yeah, kill the ads. I, I already see the problem here, less reliant on advertising dollars. The murmurings are that they're going to start with news and current affairs, that news and current affairs should be ad-free and, and, and they'll keep ads on everything else. Hey, I'm a reasonable dude and compromise sounds good with me. This is how it's done in the BBC for all their content. You've already paid for the BBC if you live in Britain. And if you watch BBC content outside of the UK, there's ads, but not within. That should be the model. And if that means giving them extra cash one way or the other, that's fine. But thank God we're looking at this ad-free CBC, better for everybody. Duly noted. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars and I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge 
research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Danny, I'm going to read to you a headline from the Western Standard. I, I am not in my little bubble. I read lots of stuff. This is from the Western Standard. Great. Taxpayers group celebrates cancellation of a wasteful mission cultural fund. This is a big win for taxpayers and it's long overdue, says Franco Terrazano, the federal director of the CTF. And the quote is, paying for a sex toy show in Germany and flying chefs around the world was a huge waste of taxpayers' money and global affairs should have shut this down years ago. Do you know about the Mission Cultural Fund? I did not before I started to get ready for this show. So it was a National Post article, and I, I did also read the Western Standard. And there's even a piece in iPolitics, I believe. So this has gotten some somewhat significant coverage. We have... <laughs> We have the, what is it called here? A Canadian government initiative designed to shore up the foundations of cultural diplomacy has spent more than $12,000 on a series of live shows called All the Sex I've Ever Had, in which seniors in other countries relate their sexual experiences to an audience. Jesse, is this in your retirement plans? I mean, uh, that's a nicer uh, view of it than the Toronto, Toronto Sun's headline is, Feds spent thousands funding sex shows featuring seniors. Holy shit. The federal government spent thousands funding senior citizens' sex shows? Senior citizens' sex shows? Yeah, they're old. That's gross. Yeah, old people having sex is disgusting. I'm not paying for that. And Danny, you know, you have to take the fun out of everything. You researched it and found that it's actually like some art exhibit where seniors talk about having had sex. This is a $1.8 million federal program. And okay, this is the reality of it. This is nothing. <laughs> this is this is like, this is so nothing. This is like every country has this. This is a tiny, tiny little bit of federal funding for like Canadian embassies around the world to showcase Canadian culture. And so it might be Canadian cuisine. Some of this money is spent on food stuff. Some of this money is spent on Brian Adams' shitty photography. Some of this was, yes, there was a $12,000 project for senior citizens around the world to share their sex stories, which by the way, I'll share with you some of the reviews of this show. It's called All the Sex I've Ever Had, as you say. Hands down, one of the best nights of my life, said Brody Paparella in broadwayworld.com. This beautifully simple concept is another masterstroke by Canadian theater makers. This is no more kiss and tell. With sensitive handling, these intimate experiences are laced together to reveal a broader social history, exploring the ways in which our older generations adapted to, rebelled against, and provoked the changing tolerances of our evolving societies, wrote Maxim Boone. In the music. It's just joyous, said Kyle Walmsley in Arts Hub. This is like a serious piece of theater that people seem to really, really like, and it cost us $12,000. The sex toy exhibit, which got a lot of the, the headlines, do we really want to be paying for a sex toy exhibit in Germany? Guess who did this exhibit? Who? Peaches. 
This is like fucking peaches. This is awesome. I will gladly fund the teaches of peaches. If we're paying for Catholic schools here in Ontario, I am 100% in favor of funding curriculum based on the teaches of peaches. Uh, the show was called Whose Jizz Is This? by Canadian musician Peaches. We come in and we learn about a double masturbator. After that, you walk through a glory hall and then slowly the emancipation of the double masturbator starts. And then I thought about what if these fleshies had their own emancipation and what if I can use this as a way to project my philosophy of feeling comfortable in your own body or empowering yourself. At the heart of the presentation are the fleshies. These are little sex toy puppets who actually sing when Peaches sings. And by the way, if you haven't caught Peaches' rendition of Celine Dion, it's all coming back to me now, do yourself a huge favor and Google the YouTube video of Peaches performing that song. It's a There is nothing wrong with this. And I can't think of anything kind of meaner or more petty than this like recurring practice of going through the recipients of arts funding, looking for the project that can be mischaracterized as some sort of moral atrocity. It's it's the, the pettiest, smallest form of conservative rage baiting. And and I, I don't like the whole left, right for but but it, I mean, who is the one who like is attacking these pennies? to artists. I mean, it is something that comes from these, you know, either conservatives or these pro-taxpayer groups, which are just dressing up conservatism in in a, in a different package. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's incredibly prurient. Like, oh no, sex and old people. I'm sure that the, I'm sure that the money spent is lower than like, I don't know, the printing department for some obscure department of the federal government that we've never heard of, like the printing budget. It's not that much money. You're right. It's literally nothing. When I first read it, it did take a second to try and connect the Mission Cultural Fund to arts. But, you know, at the same time, I guess that is diplomacy, having Canadians around the world, having our art known and, and talked about. And we have to remember that this is necessary because we're next to like a cultural juggernaut that produces, that's actually like warped the minds of our own citizens so that they don't understand living in Canada because they consume so much American television, especially in Alberta. We don't even have to go there. Like, it's just like, what does an embassy do? Like, they have a screening night where they play a Canadian film to, like, you know, whoever they want to, like, you know, like, whatever Canadian artists are in that foreign country. And then other people, they're like, hey, we make some nice films. Come over. We'll we'll feed you some Canadian food and we'll play you a Canadian movie. Or, well, oh, yeah, there's a Canadian, like, there's, like, tiny little travel grants and things like that. Like, it's just every single country does it. And the bullies won. They canceled this $1.8 million a year program because of these, like, ridiculous, stupid headlines. The bullies won. And you really have to ask why. I mean, do you think anybody's going to remember senior citizens talking about sex when we actually go to the federal ballot? Do you think this is what's going to get Pierre Polyev elected? <laughs> I mean, that'd be kind of something if it did, if senior sex shows, if the balance tipped on that. There's, there's no entendre. There was no entendre intended or present in that. By the way, you sick listeners, you're just sick in what you were picturing. Now, 
that's that's a, that's shortcuts. That's shortcuts. Uh, Danny, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Glad to be here. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. I can be emailed at jesse at CanadaLand.com. I read everything you send. Danny, where can people find you and your work? You can find me at APTN News, or um, you can look on Twitter where I'm trying to spend less and less time, but at Danny Parody. Let's be real, I'll still be there. We need you there. This episode is produced by Aviva Lassard with additional production by Caleb Thompson. Our managing editor is Annette Ajofor. Our theme music is by So Cold. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you value this podcast, your hours are left to support us during this, this rare opportunity to get our highest level of support for $10 a month as opposed to $15. Go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link on the show notes. And thank you for taking part in this birthday celebration. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Thank you for supporting Canada Land. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open-and-shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.